So I hope that all our listeners understand that the universe wants them to be empowered and they are a very important part of this, the fabric of our existence. You cannot remove a single molecule from this universe. The whole universe has to move with that molecule. In the same way, you are an inherent part of the tapestry of this world. May you shine in that part that you are. Hi, I'm Biz Kush, a life coach and therapist, and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. How often do you feel like a goddess or channel goddess energy in your life? I know that I don't enough. And today, the guest on the podcast is Archarya Shanya, and she's going to talk to us a little bit more about that and how we can do it. I'm Biz Kush, and I'm the host of the Awaken Your Wise Woman, and I'm so glad you're here. All of you beautiful, wise women out there tuning in, I just appreciate your support, your encouragement, the feedback. It means the world to me. So thanks for being here, and I'm excited about this conversation. But before we get started, just sharing a little bit about my own journey with roaring like a goddess, speaking up for myself, I still struggle with this. There are times that... It's such a subtle experience that I'm not even aware that I'm quieting my voice because it's become or it has been such a familiar pattern for me. And I'm curious if that happens for you too, that it's only later that you recognize that you could have said something, you could have spoken up for yourself, you could have asked for something different. Hmm. Yeah. As I said, definitely happens to me still often. And I am way more aware of it now than I used to be and much better at coming back and readdressing, reassessing, speaking up for myself after the fact. So that's progress, right? And that's why I created the coaching program for highly sensitive women, because often our sensitivities can keep us quiet because others don't receive them well, or we're viewed or told we're too much, that we should get over it, we shouldn't feel so deeply or get hurt as easily as we do. And yet, being highly sensitive is a genetic part of who we are and we can't stop being who we are. And so my coaching program really focuses on helping you live more fully in your life as a woman with high sensitivity. And if you're curious about whether you have high sensitivity or not, take my quiz. It's on the webpage. Go to elizabethcushcoaching.com. It's right there on the top of the page. Click the button and the results will be emailed to you and some tips on how to manage 
your life in a more grounded, calm, balanced way as a sensitive woman. In the last couple of episodes, we've talked a lot about perfectionism and our inner critical voice and ways to really better understand them through listening and acknowledgement and processing what's happening inside of us. And I think that's like such a beautiful part of this conversation that I have with Shunya is that to me, the overall message is if we're open to what's happening inside of us, we can develop into a more peaceful and self-aware woman. And that is a beautiful thing. And when we know and are self-aware, we can roar like a goddess. We can speak up for our needs. We can enter the world in uh, more accepting and loving ways for ourselves and others. So Archeria Shunya is going to be talking about her book, Roar Like a Goddess, where she explores the energies of three goddesses, Lakshmi, Durga, and Saraswati. And it's a beautiful conversation, and I'm really excited to jump right in. Her final message of really sharing that she believes that the universe wants us all to be empowered just spoke to me and and really just touched my heart. So here's a little bit more about Shunya. Archarya Shunya is the first female head of her spiritual lineage that traces its roots to 2,000 years ago in India. The imparter of goddess archetype theory as a pathway to soul ascension Shunya reinterprets and recontextualizes the ancient Vedic wisdom and Dharma teachings of Advaita Vendada, non-dual teachings, Ayurveda's lifestyle wisdom and yoga scriptures to create a learning and awakening path for contemporary seekers, empowering people everywhere to lead spiritually fearless, fulfilled, and enlightened lives. Her teachings act like a bridge between ancient wisdom and the issues faced by modern humans today. Archarya Shunya is the author of three best-selling books, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, Sovereign Self, and her newest book, Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. In Roar Like a Goddess, Acharya Shunya honors her progressive Vedic roots while breaking the shackles of tradition to bring modern-day women an inclusive feminist spirituality. I really, really loved my conversation with Shunya, and hopefully you will tune in to the end where she shares some wisdom with the listeners that literally brought me to tears just a beautifully powerful, soul-centered woman who I just am honored to have had on the podcast. So I know you'll get as much out of it as I did. So let's jump in. Hi, Shunya, and welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you today. And if you wouldn't mind, 
sharing with the audience a little bit about yourself and who you are. Liz, I'm so excited to be here because sharing my true voice, my authentic voice is part of a mission of my life. In fact, my newest book, Roar Like a Goddess, Roaring is compared to owning the true voice. So what better podcast than to be here? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, for a long time, really struggled to really find my own voice, really listen to my own inner wisdom. And your book is really beautiful. I love so much about it. And I would love to know more about you and what brought you here? Because you share a little bit in your book that you had this lovely inner goddess energy as a child, but that things kind of life culture kind of stamped that out of you for a period of time. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? I was born in the 1960s of India. And if that culture is patriarchal now. It was very patriarchal back then. And though I was raised in a bubble of freedom and progressive-minded parents, the reality check I got once I left that family of origin, found a partner to marry, and just be in the world was anything but progressive. And because I'm a Vedic spiritual teacher, the Vedic represents the oldest universal philosophy from India. It predates religions in India. It's a mm -hmm. true universal invitation to be conscious. I was trying to be that teacher, but I met patriarchal obstacles because for a long time, it has been forgotten that the Vedic knowledge was not just a contribution of male seers, but female seers have also contributed to Vedic wisdom and that female spiritual teacher is not a strange animal, but very much part of the fabric of what it is to be a Hindu, what it is to be a spiritually sovereign person. Mm. But I met obstacles, obvious and not so obvious. And then when I arrived in America in the 1990s, I thought, oh yeah, we're coming into a brand new world. And I met patriarchy all over again yeah. in different ways, subtle, very fierce because the women are trying to fight back. But in this 21st century too, no matter where we go in a traditional or contemporary culture, at home or in the professional setting, the female is still a second-class citizen. Yeah. There are norms, there are suggestions, there are entire cultural practices that keep women in that place and keep them content too, which mm -hmm. is to contain them really. And I realized that this is not just specific to me. This is a global phenomena. I recognize that I'm not able to own my voice, not just because I'm a coward or I'm, or it's like a, a, a you know, it's a psychological mm, limitation with me, mm -hmm. that it's a matter of survival. And that if I were to open my mouth and if I were to stake my opinions, and if I were to claim that psychic space through my voice, my real voice, 
they would be very real consequences, harsh and difficult, whether it was inside a marriage, whether it was in a professional uh, arena, either way, the question was conform or die, literally. I mean, not actual biological death, but a psychological suicide. Yes. Well, I chose to die, to be reborn again. Mm. And, I, you know, it's often those fears are in the head. They are messing with you. Mm-hmm. It really takes a woman to claim her true, what I call goddess-like Shakti or goddess-like power from within. Mm. And then things begin to change. Patriarchy is still a very entrenched institution on our planet. Yes. But... I'm not a victim of it anymore. Mm. And that makes a difference. Yeah. And I mean, patriarchy infiltrates so many parts of our lives and can quiet our voices without even us really being conscious of it happening. I wonder what helped you move through that spiritual that death and into this more spiritually awakened goddess-like energy that has allowed you to share your wisdom i think there are two kinds of people those that can conform for a long time and those that cannot confirm we're genetically made that way and Mm -hmm. i'm somebody who begins suffocating and dying if i have to go against my own knowingness so when i was born that way to not be a conformist i will follow any rules and i will obey and i will support if i know that this is supporting a greater truth if it's coming from my authority but Mm -hmm. not an outward authority so one i'm that kind of person And those kind of people carry a greater burden of living an authentic life, no matter what the consequences be. Two, I had two teachers in this journey of being silent to owning my voice. One was my own suffering. Mm. The darkness was tremendous. Mm. I felt alone and miserable because I had to go against my own power. Like I was being cocooned and seduced and supported and conditioned to give it away every single day. And that was no longer an option for me. Suffering was intense. Mm. I was going to lose my mind if I didn't do something about it. So suffering can be a teacher as you and your guests have, I'm sure, spoken about earlier. And number two, I had grown up with these goddess stories from a goddess-like mom Mm. who knew new limits because my dad was an amazing progressive soul and it still is he's alive in his 90s and he's still an amazing flowing being so he had gifted me a life of sovereignty emotional sovereignty and my mom shared these goddess stories from the vedic hindu tradition where these goddesses were in one word bold they were bold in being powerful they were bold in being sexual they were bold in being peaceful too Mm. They could initiate the life they want and be be the supreme mistress of that life. They were champions of their own destiny and they changed stories. And in their stories, they met interestingly patriarchal obstacles where they were even sexually objectified or minimized or diminished. But because they were goddesses, their response was a lesson for my soul 
when I was a child that were interesting and thrilling. And I couldn't go to bed and I don't know why my mom chose them as bedtime stories. <laughs> but I think they entered my DNA. And when I had reached the limit of being not myself, we all reach that place where we, we, you know, we carry on with the persona, <laughs> but we can't anymore. Mm. These stories came to my rescue. They saved my soul. And I, because I'm a scholar of the scriptures and the Sanskrit language, I went back into those, the oral tradition as well as the ritual tradition. And I realized, wow, these goddess stories are also being misinterpreted through the dogma machine. And the goddess is being pulverized and minimized to become a much more domestic version of who she really is. <laughs> and then, yeah. um, those were my insights, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Not my not my. I had not. I had not figured my intention that I'm going to tell the world about this. It was just freeing and liberating for me. But one day, I I felt this calling. I can't explain it. I was working on a different book. Mm. I had to start a new page on my laptop, and I had to write this book without wow. any conscious planning. It was like my subconscious lifted itself and said, this is what we're doing. Mm. And now there is not a day since then that I have not been on some podcast or some radio show or some live speaking event talking about this issue of the goddess in our freedom and waking up to that irrevocable sense of empowerment. Oh, that's so, so, mm so powerful just hearing you sharing that. And I, I would imagine it was hard to find yourself in a marriage that was so different than what you had experienced as a child, as your parents' marriage, like finding yourself in a, a home and a family that really wanted to keep you small and quiet when there was this spark inside you that needed to be bright and alive and show itself. Yeah, like my parents, once I, I remember having this conversation with my father saying, you didn't prepare me to meet the real world, <laughs> like, like as if he had done a disservice to me, but he, mm. he had ultimately done a great service to my soul because there is no two ways around light. But it, and it was for me to create that home for my son, for myself going forward. So I did have to do what Indian Hindu women don't do easily, which is to leave my first marriage, find myself at the right time, a new partner, create the home environment, duplicate what I had grown up with. Yeah. And then extend my duty, my service to students worldwide who are like my children in a way, yeah. my world family. Mm. I create an atmosphere of liberty and freedom for all, initiate dialogues around vulnerability and why we give away our power and how we can restake it. And it's not just with the goddess book, Elizabeth, even with my former books and all my teachings online and on site, wherever I teach, mm -hmm. this kind of has been a theme around. It's a theme that I seem to work with in this lifetime. It, 
it's kind of important to me and for example when i see caged animals in zoos or in wow. you know birds in cages mm-hmm. when i see differently gendered people being attacked yeah my heartbeat goes up like if i see a forest fire and it's damaged i'm like you know i'll it's it's sad but it won't mm-hmm. viciously attack me but if i see somebody's respect being taken away or somebody being made humiliated or minimized and they might be a stranger i'll be very sensitive to their ex- agony mm-hmm. I, i don't know why but that's what seems to be an important part of my yeah avatar of manifestation on earth it's yeah. important for me to correct that or, or point that out yeah well and i know in your book you share the different stories of the different goddesses and how their energy i'm going to say their spirits can help awaken in in ourselves our, our power our light our spirit and i wonder if you could share a little bit about the three goddesses that you highlight and how maybe they can sort of lead us on a path of feeling more self energy yeah i'd be happy to do that i love talking about these goddesses so we'll backtrack to the concept of divinity in the vedic hindu tradition which is all inclusive there is an understanding that god is really an omnipotent omniscient dimension that is beyond form or cannot be limited to a form and can take as many forms as this dimension this truth wants as a result we have a concept of divine formless pure consciousness is god mm-hmm. we have the concept of divine max masculine so we have male gods divine feminine mm-hmm. we have these goddesses that i'm about to talk about and then we even have transgender and blended gender gods Mm-hmm. and we also have gods in animal and plant forms and there was a misinterpretation that hinduism is polytheistic but it's really monism it's one consciousness expressing itself in different ways mm-hmm. when we look at the divine feminine there are many goddesses to represent that absolute intelligence but three chief goddesses are durga lakshmi saraswati who I talk about because one I grew up with their stories they're important to me and they're also very different mm. for example durga is a flamboyant goddess she's a single gal she doesn't <laughs> have any partner in domesticity nor did she feel that she's obliged to give birth to a biological child and yet she is the divine mother wow of this whole universe so that i like that i i feel like she speaks to an army of women worldwide who are no longer necessarily going in through domesticity and childbirth and if they are questioning their womanhood uh, because a society does so at some point it's like yes. great you've made all those achievements but you know all right sure right. <laughs> yeah so the guy is durga is the goddess of courage and and she also channels righteous rage dharmic rage and dharma represents that which brings about harmony in the universe so whenever she sees 
that the harmony is being disrupted or challenged, then Durga gets angry. And when she gets angry, that's good news for the universe. Mm. Similarly, mm. Our, our inner harmony gets disrupted by our ego and our falsehoods and our conceits and our shadowy behavior. And I feel like evoking that Durga archetype within can then bring about a dissolution of whatever is false, whatever is not serving our inner universe, and to bring in alignment what is connected with the truth. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I had to bring in a lot of Durga energy when I had developed ways and modes that I was not even aware, but they were really products of coping mechanisms. Yeah. They were survival strands that I was carrying. They were not the real me. In fact, I'm not even sure I've discovered the real me, but the process is, mm. you know, kind of initiating. I did. And I'm still groping within and I'm using Durga. And sometimes I get angry in the process of all the falseness that may have covered me unconsciously, not consciously. Right. Yeah. And so Durga's uh, mythology is where she was sexually objectified and she being Durga didn't keep, didn't go back to the historic silence we women are known for. And instead she smiles really wickedly and says, yes, I'm sexy. Yes, I'm beautiful, <laughs> but I've not been born to pleasure you. I've been born to pulverize you. <laughs> so I really love those things. I'm not teaching pulverizing. <laughs> talking about expressing your disgust or your anger or your rage when it's come up to inform you of wrongdoings or boundary violations for you or your planet yeah yeah remembering durga pre-writing the book and post-writing the book even more just makes me really strong and invincible then there is uh, Durga herself becomes Lakshmi because it's really a non-dual perspective. But Lakshmi is the goddess of pleasure, beauty, sexuality, prosperity, abundance, fertility, everything that you can think of that can make us complete mm. the riches, the luxuries, and the, the health and well-being that we want. Mm -hmm. Of course, when you meet your agendas, when you don't suppress your anger when you when you create safety emotional physical sexual for yourself and your loved ones of course you're going to be in a pleasured state and that's lakshmi yeah. and so in the chapters that describe lakshmi and her mythology i share a very important mythology where she once felt rejected by the very people she lived with and made their life really good but she being a goddess, unlike us women who continue with our rescuing behavior, our codependent behavior, she actually quietly went and left. And she went into a retreat with herself and she re-emerges mm. to choose a new partner, which kind of mm -hmm. reminds me of my story. And mm. she becomes the divine mother in the process. And of course, the patriarchal versions don't talk about her leaving her one partnership, choosing another, having the head on her shoulders, not just being the goddess of everything nice and giving gifts, but really she's teaching self-value. Mm -hmm. So in this section of my book, I connect that if you want to be pleasure, if you want to be sexual, if you want to be happy, if you want to be beautiful, you want to first value yourself. Yes, like and I love that part of your book so much. Oh, so much. Yeah. Mm. That, that was my interpretation of it. And mm. I think it makes sense. 
oh my gosh, it makes so much sense because yeah, yeah, if we're not valuing and loving ourselves, how can we be truthful and and real with that love out in the world? Yeah. But we Mm. women, you know, whether we are at work or in our homes with our families, we're the gift givers of support, of dependability, of compassion, of loyalty, and of sexual pleasure. But okay, that's fine. We can give gifts, we're goddesses, but can we then also adopt the Lakshmi value of self-value? Value the value of self-value. Yes. The bottom line. Beautiful. Yeah. And finally, there is Saraswati. He said, when you're feeling really in a good place around giving and receiving, pleasuring, but being pleasured too, you know, it's just like a really healthy place to be at. So you're not getting depleted. You're remaining like a goddess of abundance. Mm. You become Saraswati, who is deeply peaceful. And she's in a more introverted self-inquiry, self-reflection mode, which many of us women become at some point. We prioritize our journey towards our own self. We listen to podcasts like this one. You know? <laughs> yeah. We study with teachers like myself because we want to know more of our true self. Yeah. But interestingly, in Saraswati's mythology too, she has a spouse and she feels slighted by him. He's not an abusive spouse, but sometimes even the best of spouse in a patriarchal culture can kind of gang up with the boys and behave in a manner that's immature. Would you agree? I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what her godly spouse does, and she's hurt. But then she discerns, and it's very interesting. She reminds me of a woman who does not physically leave her partner, but she emotionally distances herself just enough to focus more on herself. Mm-hmm. and her priorities and preventing further hurt. And I thought she was such a beautiful example of the modern day woman who can reshuffle her priorities and her marriage is not just about the man and winning him and pleasing him and having drama with him, right. but maybe co-creating a greater reality together with very clear boundaries. And so then I argue that that inner work, that detachment that she experienced was the path to peace. This is not a quick peace that we achieve by having makeup uh, lovemaking after an argument. You know, it's not makeup sex and and, and, or a shopping spree to be peaceful. This is like she's done the work and she's realized what's okay, what's not okay, what's working, what's not working, and who am I, and what is my life about? Mm-hmm. And I thought my last section was a lot about emotional sovereignty, despite um, f- semi or partially engaged or mature partners in our life. Yeah. yeah. And there can be no promise that we would be met in maturity, so we need a Saraswati archetype too, to deal with the battles in the bedroom and in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way you describe sort of the flow of, to me, in some ways, like you hear often about the princess, the queen and the crone. I mean, it reminds me very similarly of if we are open to what's happening inside, we can develop into this 
more peaceful, but self-aware woman as we age, as we grow, as we really listen to our own, yeah, what we need in our sovereignty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that framework. I mean, unknowingly, because this book kind of just came out of me in a stream of consciousness, but I guess I was trying to create a framework of like dealing with the outer bullies, then valuing yourself through Lakshmi, and then finally just being yourself no matter what. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. If it's okay, there was a passage that really spoke to me at the end of the book, towards the end of the book. Could I read it out loud? Uh, You share, it's time for all of us to wake up and smell the torturous brew of misogyny. Alas, women, no matter how successful they are and whether they live in capitalist, communist, or feudal cultures, are suffering from the trauma of being second-class citizens in a hostile planet. And when I use the word trauma, I'm not just talking about the catastrophic harm rendered towards women through domestic intimate and street violence, which in itself is deplorable. I'm talking about the emotional toll of a pervasive climate of patriarchy that is subtle but insidious. This is especially hard on women who strenuously defy male dominance. The injuries caused by such tussles and power struggles may not be visible to the physical eye, but surely and steadily they can bleed the goddess essence out of each one of us. Women either become numb or enraged, compliant or rebellious to the point of depression. And I don't want to make it sound like this is such a depressing book because I mean, but that's a very serious, to me, it just speaks to the depth of injury that a patriarchal culture can have on us as individuals and as a collective and that each goddess finds her way to speak her truth and you know, help us speak our truths through this journey of being women on the planet. Yeah, it's interesting when you read that, I felt that heartbeat again of pain. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was uh, once um, on the podcast of someone, a a host who later told me that he was an intuitive, a past life intuitive, Mm. and that he was so kind to offer me a complimentary reading list. Of course, I take it up because I really love the host. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you learn to respect the people who are inviting you as I am experiencing right now. Mm. And he told me that in it was in medieval Europe somewhere that I had a lifetime not immediately preceding this one. I was an out, and he just said it. He said, you are an outspoken woman and your tongue was cut off. Oh gosh. And when he said that, I cried so much and I had such a visceral experience and I can experience the tears come up even now. So in a way by writing this book and then this pain that I experienced, 
but then giving the solutions and the hope and the positivity is like for me coming to full circle i don't know how much you or our listeners believe in past life or not but i i feel like we lead many stories in one lifetime Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I imagined it or it actually happened, but probably that's one reason that being on this podcast and writing these kind of books, uh, this kind of book has been very vindicating for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just appreciate that. Well, one that you wrote this book, and I have not read your other books, but I would imagine they're wonderful too but just to stand so fully in your power to share your own story here but also how these goddesses can really help us come back to ourselves and and our inner knowing and our wisdom to be more powerful forces in the world thank you yeah well If you had a piece of wisdom for the listeners that you felt it was important to share here, what would that be? I would say that if my listeners are men, then I want them to know that my book or the Divine Feminine Tradition from India in no way sees you as the bad guy. Mm. In fact, all these goddesses enjoy ultimately support from their consorts, the divine masculine consorts. And all women have to channel their inner masculine too, and all men should channel the divine feminine so that we can come into balance. Mm. But if you are listening and you are in the male body, then perhaps reading this book will make you more sensitive to the needs of your partner, your mother, your aunts, and also protect your daughters as they as they grow. So I feel like wading through patriarchy is as much a man's responsibility as a woman's, Absolutely. because it's a false belief that's that's also holding men to abnormal standards, like men don't cry, hmm. which which is not true, or men are, men don't dance, you know, so men don't cook. It's not true. I know yeah. there are men who cook and dance, but it's just generally we see the straight concept of a man, which yes. which is just uh, very stifling. So mm-hmm. my sympathies to the man too for being in this ignorant, deluded space of patriarchy. For women, I really hope you read it and gift others and do not let an ancient culture or its stories get in the way. They are really only symbolic tools to convey the message. And finally, if you are that special person of a fluid and non-binary gender, then my special bows to you. And I want you to know that there are goddesses who are in the Vedic tradition, though I've not talked about them, but they represent you and Mm -hmm. they are equally powerful and bold and truly authentic to how the divine absolute made them. So I hope that all our listeners understand that the universe wants them to be empowered. And they are a very important part of this, the fabric of our existence. You cannot remove a single molecule 
from this universe. The whole universe has to move with that molecule. In the same way, you are an inherent part of the tapestry of this world. May you shine in that part that you are. Thank you, Liz, for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Well, I, I, that touched me very deeply, just the inclusivity and, oh, yeah, thank you. Well, Shinya, I appreciate so much your taking the time to come on the podcast and share about your beautiful book. And I will be sure to have links to all your information, but just in case people who are listening don't have access to my show notes, how can they find you and your book? Well, my name is Acharya Shunya, which I'm sure you'll spell out. And I so I have social media handles by this name. I also have a website by my name, acharyashunya.com. And I have a wisdom school where I teach courses and more teachings on the goddess and empowering yourself with it. And it's called awakenedself.com, awakenedself.com. And you can easily find me in all these places. And of awesome. course, my books are selling everywhere by my name, author name, Acharya Shunya. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to be on the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to just seeing more of you out there in the world. As always, I am so touched by my guests' willingness to share personal stories as well as their wisdom here on the podcast. And Shunya's energy just, I felt like I was right there with her in her sharing of the goddesses as well as her own personal story. And I just deeply appreciated the time she spent with us here on the podcast. And obviously, I was very moved at the end by her sharing the inclusiveness of all of the gendered people here on the planet, because that is near and dear to my heart. And, and I would hope that as a people, we could be more inclusive and loving to every single soul out there. So I hope you'll check out her book, Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. Like who doesn't want that? And it really is a lovely book. Each goddess that she chooses has a chapter or multiple chapters sharing their traditional stories and how she has brought them forth into modern day and how they can support us. Well, I hope you all have a fantastic week. I hope your days are filled with light and spirit. And if you are struggling to have your voice be heard or struggling to fully know your power and would like to get some coaching around that, showing up fully in your life, you can reach out to me at elizabethcushcoaching.com and check out 
what I have to offer there. And if you want to schedule a 45-minute discovery call, it's available right there for free. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I appreciate all of you. And I look forward to connecting again next time right here. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.